Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. My name is Rain Bennett. I am your host, and my job is to help you deepen your connections, increase your sales, and serve your audiences better. Every Monday morning, I send out a storytelling tip to my email subscribers, and I talk about how I have used it in my own storytelling for my clients and for myself, and I leave you with tangible advice on how you can apply it to your strategies. If this sounds like something that would interest you, go ahead and sign up for the newsletter at rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. Again, that's rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. This podcast is a Six Second Stories production. Six Second Stories is a video marketing agency that helps you tell heartfelt stories to maximize your impact in minimal time. Find out more about what we do at sixsecondstories.com. Okay, so you know that this show is starting to do well and that you're starting to keep good company when you see your name involved in a tweet thread with other awesome storytellers, many of whom you already look up to. Well, that's the situation that I found myself in a few months back. Um, some of the people who I've established a, a relationship with and a friendship with on Twitter um, that were interested in learning more about storytelling uh, put a post out, and one guy in, in particular, I believe, and asked, like, hey, who are your favorite storytellers? And he tagged some of his. So I tagged some of mine, and they tagged some of theirs, and that's how Twitter works, folks. Um, people still use Twitter and it's still great for establishing and creating communities. Now, along that thread, the journey of that thread, I actually learned about several storytellers that I, I wasn't familiar with. 
And one of them was today's guest, Miri Rodriguez. And so, you know, as I did with everybody that day, I, I followed her and I checked out the things that she was up to, uh, as well as the other people. Nate, most of them followed me back. Some of them didn't. So they better to hear this. But Miri did. And she's been awesome. And, and uh, immediately, you know, I'm, I'm just going to digress for a moment, but it is related you know, people say that to have success on social media, <laughs> that you really just need to be your authentic self. And that's what I help a lot of my story coaching clients with is, is, is finding your unique narrative voice. Let me tell you, Mary's is so clear and so abundant from in any of her communication. So even in, in a tweet, uh, you saw her energy and, and just the vibrance. I mean, it was just like, I just loved what she was putting down, like energy out, you know, out the roof and just a really pleasant person, but also very knowledgeable about the space of storytelling. However, there was a unique twist. I, I couldn't quite understand her place in the world, in the storytelling world, because she worked for Microsoft. And from what I gathered from her posts, um, she, you know, says right there on her bio that she works with uh, on the global internship team or she's in charge of that. Um, and then she also did stuff like in the Microsoft like space with data and AI. And so uh, there was always this little question that I had because I, I was kind of confused and couldn't quite put my finger on what she did and how she worked in the storytelling space. But over the few months, you know, we, we uh, I wouldn't even say it wasn't even as serious as, as like a friendship, but a Twitter acquaintance, acquaintanceship. <laughs> uh, we became acquaintances on, on Twitter and would chat very briefly here and there, maybe comment on each other's things, but mostly because we were in the same circle. A lot, it was more that... Uh, we had a lot of the same friends, but I saw her content and, you know, hopefully, or apparently she saw some of mine, but along the way I learned about her book, which is a, a big way I like to learn as much as I can about storytelling and, and the people who I, who I am going to interview or just people that I want to make connections with, because there's a lot of great books out there. It also helps in, inform what book I want to write and, and how I want to write it and how I don't want to write it. So Miri has a book called Brand Storytelling, Put Your Customers at the Heart of Your Brand Story. Well, if you're a listener of the Storytelling Lab, you know that language lines up and aligns uh, very well with, with the heart of what we try to accomplish here. So I was like, okay, I hadn't gotten around reading her book yet but I was like I I started like I put it on my on my uh my list and so as I got to know her over Twitter I noticed that that those elements you know how to put yourself at the heart of your brands or put the customers at the heart of your brand story and I think that she had posted about the book one day and I was just like you know what let's chat like I want to get to know you a little bit more and learn about how you how you exist and fit into the storytelling world let's do it uh, over the podcast and let's uh, let's talk about your book and you know let's hash it out and nerd out about storytelling so she was like of course we booked a session now this is where it all changed and it's it wasn't out of left field because like I said I already loved her energy and I was curious like she definitely piqued my curiosity about how she navigated and 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 her place in the storytelling world but man this episode like I got emotional with it like she is so earnest and honest and sincere and just really tapped into the heart 
of the story, the heart of her story and her journey, the heart of what she does for a living, which I found out, <laughs> which uh, is actually both involved in the, uh, you know, the engineering and data driven and AI driven aspects of Microsoft, as well as leading the global internship team. So she, she wears two major hats and probably a lot more minor ones over there at Microsoft. We talked about human issues and digital issues, right? Uh, we, we talked about the, the pros and cons of both and compared and contrast them and how storytelling fits into both. And it just, man, this conversation had a lot of heart behind it. And, uh, you know, this is something that we're going to have to learn how to navigate as the world turns more to AI and, and is, does become more automated. What's our role going to be? What's our relevance going to be as humans? How will we continue to connect and bind together? What will, you know, what ways will things change? How will we have to adapt and adjust? Will storytelling still be a part of how we bind and connect and collaborate and grow? I think so, and so does Miri. Uh, we had an excellent conversation. I was moved to almost, I was almost moved to tears through it. So, I'm going to let you hear it. So, here is my conversation with Miri Rodriguez, and I hope that you love it. So tell me a little bit about, uh, I want to understand a little bit more about what you do. And right now, you know, we were just talking before we started recording, everything's kind of upside down. You're in Miami, so that's a good thing. But there's also a lot of challenges that we're dealing with. So tell me a little bit about what you do. And then I'm also interested, like how that's changed. Like what's your day to day now? Mm -hmm. Like you talked Mm -hmm. about, you have a busy week coming up, but like what's the, the things, the tasks that you're actually doing? Okay. Yeah. So uh, I do a couple of things. I do basically three things. The first one is I manage the intern program globally at Microsoft. So I basically lead the umbrella of offerings of internships that we have globally. I work with regions. I have a a a team in HQ that helps us manage the uh, program, the events, uh, the actual experience, intern experience end to end. Uh, I don't recruit. I, you know, we have, I partner with our recruiting team to bring Mm -hmm. those interns in. And then once they're here, that kind of mind to manage. Um, I also do storytelling at Microsoft and I used to do that full-time within engineering so I was moved to the engineering uh, space to do uh, stories about digital transformation how we were moving our data on-premises to the cloud and Mm -hmm. there I learned uh, the to actually use the design thinking techniques for storytelling which I implemented uh, and they proved successful so I didn't know how to drive those technical technical stories in a successful way I was just you know, creating stories and telling them and it wasn't working. So I learned to implement design thinking, which eventually ended up being my book. It's how to use design thinking to design your stories, not just tell them. Um, and out of that, see, I knew there was some kind of thing. <laughs> They're going to find my, you my virus one way or threat. another, <laughs> It's actually my, my virus threat uh, popping up. Um, it's, yeah, something up. Anyway, so... Um, it's me. And then it's the probably other- me. <laughs> yeah, you're talking to, exactly. Um, and so with that approach, that model uh, that I use for storytelling, it yeah. quickly, it quickly propagated through Microsoft and outside Microsoft. So I found myself actually consulting and doing some, um, just consultant work outside Microsoft for brands, which is what I do on the side. So it's my side hustle mm-hmm. and I still do it at Microsoft. So every, you know, I do it for many organizations yeah. uh, and I, teach them how to how to design their stories rather than tell them all right so we're gonna have a good time talking today this is a topic that 
it's relatively new to me, um, but I just get so excited about it on, on how to use stories in this particular manner. On the show, we talk about storytelling from a variety of perspectives and angles and in different capacities. Um, but I did a, a fellowship with Starting Block a couple of years ago and, and went through a design thinking workshop. This is the first time I had really heard about it. I understand the concept, but it was the first time yeah. someone really broke it down and we did exercises with it. Okay. Then I actually had a guest on the show, which if you, you aren't familiar with her, um, uh, you, you know, you would definitely dig what she does. Her name is Denise Withers and she's a documentary filmmaker like me, but she's, she's been doing environmental films for like decades and she Wonderful. uses, also uses uh, story design. And so sure. you two, you two, I think would, would have a lot of uh, common things to share. In I fact, I think how we met you and I met at least on Twitter, right? Where it was yeah. some thread about storytellers. Like that's where yeah. I saw your page. And I think that she was on that. So I, oh, I'll send you her stuff, but. Please do. Yeah, yeah. I, we nerded out about, about it too. And I love using, and I'm so interested to talk to you specifically about the data components. Yeah, um, Because course. this is somewhere where our world is going. And, oh, yeah. You know, so, so, but let's put a pin in that for a second because I'm also okay. really interested in, you know, how that led to, working with the interns and yes. how storytelling shows up in that relationship. Because if you're a yes. storyteller, you're going to find a way to use what, you know, your skill. We already are. So We've how, done it. how did you, <laughs> yeah. How did you, how did they choose to make that transition of like, you know, we're going to use you for, you know, managing our interns. And mm -hmm. then how did you bring what you had yeah. to, to that role? Yeah. And that's exactly why they brought me actually for that okay, story cool. of muscle. Yeah. It's a culture activator. Uh, and sure. it has been used at Microsoft to really, uh, we are on a really big trend of diverse hiring uh, mm -hmm. more and more year over year. And so uh, how these interns can use their origin story to build the DNA at Microsoft is where we're going with that. That is amazing. I, I mean, I got, I, I have to commend Microsoft for, for mm -hmm. understanding that too. Uh, yes. A lot of, of, of big companies do, but many don't. And people like you and I have to like convince them, know. you know, how to use that. Even in something so data driven, yes. you know, the role that stories can play. So, so I think that's, that's really cool. And I want to learn more. I mean, I want to learn more about the relationship that you help cultivate with those, those interns. What are the things like, what are the things those young people are struggling with in their stories at that moment when they come to you? And like, what is the journey, if you will, the story yeah. that you kind of help guide them on. That's the role it seems like you play, right? The guide, yes. the mentor. Right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's it's driven around uh, empowerment. So each story mm. has a theme, as you know, as a storyteller. Our theme at Microsoft is empowerment, and it's empowering everyone, and that includes our interns. So it's how you use that theme to empower yourself in your origin story. Why did you come to Microsoft? What, how are you using the platform? How are you empowering yourself? And then how are you empowering your, the world with that? Uh, so it enables these stories, um, you know, their lived experiences uh, to to look at the different angles of a feeling that is empowerment uh, and drive those angles and make them theirs. So basically they're owning the Microsoft story, they're, they're uh, making it theirs and they're talking about it from their own angles. You have women and girls from India, I don't wanna call them girls, young girls uh, and you know, women in tech coming in uh, from India, from different parts of the world, from Africa. Empowerment looks very different to them uh, than it does for someone who came from Harvard. And so as we continue to drive uh, this diversity 
diverse hiring approach from underrepresented communities, people that went to community college, people that didn't have all of the uh, capabilities to go to uh, you know, a number one rated school, they still they can be at Microsoft and they have an empowering story because they empowered themselves uh, in their journey and now here they are. And so it really enabling the platform, we have a, um, uh, we call it a radio show, it's called Culture Hour used to call it, uh, be called from job to dream job. In this place, we allow interns, past interns, uh, and you know people, leaders at Microsoft to join us and just really talk about how to turn their job into a, their dream job, bring to themselves, bring their passions, uh, and really contribute to that building of the DNA at Microsoft. Man, I, I love this so much. I mean, it's, it's so wise. It's such a great move to, you know, you're, you're building the, these leaders that work for you. It, it's helping Microsoft out obviously like in the long term but so often we approach it in a different in a different way where it's like look here's you know here's microsoft it's our goal you know right. and you're here to help carry it out right but instead they're uplifting the people you know the people at the bottom so to speak uh that that just helps the whole the whole company as a whole and i, I think that's just that's so wise it's so cool to hear especially at such a transitional point in someone's life you know, when they're, when they're going from basically a child to an adult and trying to figure out what is their path, what is their journey. So giving them that space to, to find that is like, I really, really love that. I mean, for, for me, yes, I'm a filmmaker and storyteller, but I've also spent a lot of time uh, coaching and educating youth. And so when I heard, when I saw that aspect of what you did, I was like, oh, well, that's, I want to talk about that a little bit, even though we're, we're still going to talk about the data stuff, but helping kids understand how to to control their narrative or to take control of the, and, and understand the power of their stories That's is right. so crucial. And when you see that click with them, it's, they can really do something then. Absolutely. We also have something called co-creation that kind of evolved from a need uh, where we had a little bit of resources in different parts of the world. We offer internships all over the world, so it's not just in HQ. While we do bring some interns internationally from all over the world to Seattle, uh, there, there's internships being served in other parts of the world, of course. And so when we, uh, when we learned that these interns were essentially wanting to drive their own experience, you know, coming from in a place of assuming what they want versus letting them co-create with us what they want. It's also basically changing the narrative. What we're doing here is we, it's what I called in my book, the Batman to, uh, the Robin to Batman effect, right? They're the Batmans, we're the Robins. Uh, they're the superhero of their own story. We enable them, we're the psychic. Um, and we've seen incredible results from them really owning their own experience and really changing the narrative from an internship perspective. I get to see year over year what works and what doesn't because they tell me. They are the ones who say, hey, Miri, uh, we, have, like, we have a speaker series. We want to hear more from these type of speakers. We want to learn more about this space. Um, one of the things that we know is that they want to learn beyond their scope, what mm -hmm. they came to do at Microsoft. They want to learn. Every, they're so hungry for learning everything. And so... Uh, one big hit last summer was quantum technology. They wanted to learn about it, even if they're not directly in the space. It's definitely a really curious, uh, you know, a new technology for for all of us, including Microsoft. And so they wanted to learn more and more. So we got a leader in quantum, and they delivered how to build a quantum uh, computer, and it was a huge hit. It was actually one of our most attended events uh, globally. So we're doing it again this fall, and and it's really because they're telling us they're guiding they're guiding the narrative, uh, mm. because, uh, you know. As a to us or me as a leader really thinking what they might want or like yeah it goes back to that 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 pivotal skill of a leader to listen right yeah. and, not, and not just talk 
<laughs> yeah, it's actually, you know, that's a, we talk about that so much. I think it's so funny because everybody knows that as a concept, right. but to really apply it is so hard. It is. And for me, listening was just like, okay, I'm going to look at the surveys year over year. They're going to tell me what they want and that'll represent. Um, but it's the active piece of that is truly enabling your audience. And that goes also to storytelling and something that I'm learning more and more is the audience is part of the story, even it when does. you're landing. So they are owning the story and the narrative and they want to be, a, they want to guide it. They want, you have, your story needs to be flexible enough that they take it and go with it. And that's the power of it. So in this space and in every space, uh, your story is never, you know, never fully baked, if you will. You're, let, you're landing it softly so that your audience can, can become part of it and, and add to it and, and evolve it in that way. You know, I, I've had on the show a couple of times um, improv instructors or improv comedians that that use their improv background as a way to help uh, people understand, you know, the power of storytelling. So it's the same thing as this co-creation, right? It's this, it's a collaborative thing that we're building together. And that's what you do with improv. I throw out something and you can't reject it. You have to build off of it. And and I this I love this so much. It's the same kind of concept in a different you know, a different way or a different perspective. We, we are building this together and it's, it's not just, just, just um, you know, one of us operating alone or like, like we've said, the top kind of just telling the bottom or, you know, the, the, the people working for them what to do or the team what to do. It's just like, look, let's share our experiences and understand what we need to, for us yeah. to do our jobs better. Why wouldn't a leader want that, right? If, yeah. if someone comes and says, hey, I want to be able to do this with my team. I talked, I had a conversation this week with one of my team members, things weren't working out and it wasn't just like, Hey, I'm going to do this and you're not going to do that anymore. I was like, listen, how do you feel about the tasks that you've been doing? Right? Like, yeah. am I utilizing you in the right way? And we right. landed on like, actually I wasn't, you know, there was like, mm -hmm. she, she should be doing this. And, and, and we left the conversation, which could have been a really hard conversation for, for both of us very excited and, and just like amped to move forward because she was happy with, with where she was going to be. Now, what type of work is she going to produce in that space versus me saying, no, 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 I know you don't, you're not good at this and you don't like this, but this is what you're going to do. Yeah. So, I, you know I, that it's so funny you say that because actually last week, I, so I was telling you earlier that um, I've had a really tough week because my, some, I have a couple of team members who are transitioning and so mm -hmm. they're coming, they're coming in uh, next week. So I can't wait. Um, but one of them is our early in career program manager. And so uh, my current program manager transitioned to the role and I hired a new one, but in between we're still doing recruiting. And so I've had to kind of step in and I don't really know the space. Well, to be honest, I I've let the program manager manage their piece. And so, but I had to deliver a training this week and I, I didn't know enough and I, I was like I don't know enough and and so I pulled in one of our finder recruiters and I said hey can you partner with me and you're the audience you know what you're what you guys want so let's build this deck together and we did and of course it landed perfectly well uh it takes humility right for for, for someone to say I just don't know enough and can you bring it in can you can, let's bring our forces and our superpowers um and that's part of the narrative as well is our characters how do we play where do we play uh you know how do when do we emerge and when do we don't uh as a brand narrative as well I talk about that uh, and I've learned that uh, there's this empathy factor when it comes to storytelling. In our brand storytelling schemes, uh, it's not just talking about the narrative, it's living it out loud. People mm. feel that, you know, they feel that you're living the narrative. And one of the things that I get a lot of feedback on, positive feedback is, hey, Miri, you live the brand, you live what you're talking about. Well, if I didn't, I wouldn't be here. It would be a lie. Like, I'm not going to be part of a narrative that I don't believe in, that I'm playing a character in, a character in right? I'm, I'm, it's, it's not going to work for me. So there's 
just got to be hard in the story. You have to believe in the theme and you have to be an active character. So when, when you're doing all this for Microsoft, and it seems like you have two main roles that, that yeah. one person should be handling each of them. So I know that you've got your hands full. What yeah. on earth made you decide to then also on the side write a book about it? Yeah, I, I well, first of all, it wasn't my idea. I have okay. to say that. I go on record. Uh, it, it was not on my in the cards for me. I really was not. It wasn't a goal or anything. Who, whose I'm idea was it? It was the publisher's idea. I was speaking in London and I was delivering a keynote on storytelling and talking about the design thinking principles. <laughs> and she approached me uh, and said, "Hey, I'm a commissioning editor for this publisher house and for publishing house, and we want we want you to write a book." And I said, "No." I was like, "I'm sorry, I can't do this." <laughs> No, gotta go fast. Um, but uh, but she pressed, she pressed, and I was really impressed with her. Uh, and she really believed in the content. And I was like, look, one thing is to deliver a twenty-minute keynote about concepts. The other one is writing a book about it. Like, I don't really think I can do this. Um, and this goes to show when people really truly believe in your work. I mean, she really did, and she. I don't know if this is legal to say or not, but she actually worked with the, on the proposal with me and she was just like, I'm gonna get this done, we're gonna submit it. And I was like, okay. And so that's how that happened. Um, I actually had to push the publishing a couple of times because of my own schedule. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was it was very daunting a task. It really was. It is, I'm in the uh, middle of it right now. So I- Oh gosh, well, congratulations. You know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I didn't yeah. get to go on like a retreat or anything. I was still doing my work. I know, that's so, what I'm saying. <laughs> It was crazy. I, I went for eight months straight, by the way. It was scattered at the beginning. And then for eight months, I would wake up at 3.30, uh, write from 3.30 to 7.30, four hours, go to work, come home, write another three hours every day, Monday to Friday. And then from Saturday to Sunday, uh, it was 12 hours writing. And it was for eight months. I, I almost died. It was I literally told my family, I'm not here. Like, I, I went away for that long. It was crazy. It makes sense. Um, I mean, I, I, I naively thought that I was like, I could get it done in like three months. And oh, yeah. this is, I'm going Fire. on, it's, you know, I haven't been doing it at, at your, your pace. Uh, so I'm, you know, a year and a half into it, maybe even close yeah. to two years, but the first draft is almost done. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's insane. It takes that. It takes that. It takes Either that. you're going to take years or you're going to spend 12 hours a day. Yeah. Of yeah. Your job. what but, I did because I pushed my content out so, so far. And then I mean, there was a point where my college was like, you can't, you can't, put, you can't push it anymore. We're going to have to cancel yeah. the contract. And I was like, oh, okay. So I started doing it. And then the, the, I, the irony of that was my original, um, my original published date was um, summer last year mm -hmm. with my last contract of like revised contract of when I was supposed to submit my final draft. And then um, I pushed it. And so they were like, well, we're going to have to push it to December. So I was like, okay, December sounds good. It's like holidays, people are at home, they want to read. And then they're like, well, no, it's not going to work out for publishing dates. We're going to have to push it to March, 2020. And I was like, what, what happens in March? Like nothing happens in March. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are, you yeah, know, and everybody yeah. was home reading. So it was right. great. Hell yeah. So I, I saw something, um, I think it was on your site that was like, you, you, you and forgive me if I'm, I'm butchering this, so, so yeah. let me know, but you turned storytellers into story lords. Is that, yes, is that what you're saying? I got to hear true. about that. What is a story <laughs> lord? Because I want to be one. <laughs> you want to be a story lord? Let's convert you right now. Let's All right, here, <laughs> here's what it is. Storytelling is not just telling stories. And a lot of people think that's what it is. Brand storytelling actually is twofold. It's, the it's building the story of the brand and then consistently telling stories for the brand. So it's a twofold approach as well. People look at storytelling consecu cons uh, you know, consecutively and they think, 
I just need to tell a story. Whatever that is, I just need to go do that. No, you have to design the story. So becoming a story lord is owning the narrative, being the author, uh, creating the the you know, the structure, creating the arc, uh, designing the, the, the elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about the narrative, you know, the hero's journey. Everybody knows that one. Somebody invented that. Somebody, mm-hmm. you know, thought that that's what their audience needed. So they, they created that structure. Well, why don't you create yours? Like, why don't we, why do we have to attain to somebody else's model of storytelling? Mm-hmm. So what I teach is don't, don't just fit a model, create your own model for your audience with empathy, know what they want. All of our audiences are different. All of the stories land differently and only you know what's best for your audience. You should anyway. And so take time to empathize. That's the first step in design thinking anyway. Uh, and really, really th- design something that is fit for your audience. I make structures all the time. I recreate, I test them. Um, and you know, I'm consistently iterating stories. I don't ever build what fit one mold and say, this is it. I landed a story and I'm going to go with this. Uh, it is presumptuous to do that and it won't work in the market. So listen to your audience. I really like that. And, and the part about building your own structure. And it sounds like something that I tell uh, my clients and followers is like, you know what I always hear from people? Like we need to learn, we need to tell our brand story. I'm a filmmaker. So I get hired often to, to tell people stories. Sure. And we're like, yeah, we just want to tell our brand story. But when I'm doing the podcast or, or email newsletters, I, I am constantly telling people, it's like, you don't have one story to tell. You've got countless, you've got a million, you've got an infinite amount of stories to tell. So it sounds like what you're talking about when you build the story world that you're the Lord of is like, like you say, you're building the foundation or this whole world that exists with tons of stories. You're building the structure, as you said, instead of just like, okay, I can tell a story about, you know, my keynote speech that I thought was going to go bad, but it went well or whatever, but that doesn't build anything from that. That's one story, a one-off, right? That's it. That's it. And the next one I start back at square, square one. uh, So you go from storytelling to story designing and you design mm. this world exactly that. And there's elements, there's techniques, there's structure, there's formats. You can tell one story and add intersectionality layers. I mean, you could spend, you know, countless design approach to what one theme and one story alone so there's so much to unpack in storytelling uh with only one story alone and how it can land on different from the you know you can change a character and it changes everything in the story you can change a timeline and change everything in the story so there's so much to do instead of just telling stories so so let's talk for a moment about the design thinking or the story design aspect of it and i know that you give speeches on this and we don't have time for a full keynote but but can you explain to the people who aren't familiar with the concept, how you build, you know, how you design, you know, use design thinking to craft that structure that we're talking about to build that world that we're talking about. Absolutely. So there is five steps in design thinking, as you may know. Uh, it is empathize, step number one. Number two is to define. Number three, to ideate. Number four, to prototype. And then number five is to test. So ideally, you're taking an approach that is counterintuitive to all of us, which is we're just going to go prototype little concepts of stories. I call them, you know, concepts of stories. They're not full of flesh stories. Um, and we're going to test them in the market. So it starts with this growth mindset approach of like, I'm going to go fail first and see what happens from failing. And I'll learn not to, how not to do it because my audience will guide me on the how to do it uh, space. So I'm not going to come from this approach that we were talking about earlier from the top down saying, I think my audience needs this and I'm going to drop this and see if it works. So it's reverse. 
Um, empathize starts with uh, the three levels of empathy. I learned this in my own space and by failing a whole lot, I failed for like three months in engineering uh, because I'm not an engineer. So I was trying to tell stories from an angle that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And so empathize is really, uh, there's three levels. There's one that's called the cognitive empathy. Empathy where we actually level off with our audience as fellow humans. Basically it's zooming out and saying, my audience is human. For that reason alone, I can actually deliver a story that can have what I call a universal truth, something that both of us can appeal to. So for example, at COVID, um, even though I have not had the pleasure of interacting with you enough uh, or know you better, uh, I can probably say that because of a global pandemic, you have experienced some feelings like fear or apprehension uh, or you've been sad at some moment or claustrophobic uh, just because we can all say humans have experienced this in general so this idea helps me maybe deliver a story that i can assume make a really good education uh, educational guess that uh, if i talk about covid and my own fears you will actually connect with me at some point in my human level and so that's cognitive empathy. Uh, the second one is emotional empathy. And that's where I bring myself a little deeper into this, the, the narrative. And I open up a little bit more about myself uh, as a character to let you see my humanity instead of just uh, keeping it at the top, you know, the high level approach. Mm -hmm. um, and that's also uh, where I get to think more about the audience from a psychographic perspective, uh, not thinking of a target persona, but more of like, what are you feeling listening to you? Social channels tell us where our audience uh, typically is right now and how they're feeling. It's a great way to really do some active listening in terms of um, the the kind of gauging the the feeling of the situation and the emotional level of our audience in general. Um, and then last one is um, what we call compassionate empathy, and that's where I bring myself or the brand completely as human, and I allow myself to make mistakes, to say I don't have it all put together, to say I'm navigating this, you know, as everybody else, even as a brand. And so this enables a vulnerability factor where others can be compassionate with you as the narrator or as the brand as well. And so that's number one, that's empathy, empathizing with yourself, empathizing with your brand, empathizing with all your stakeholders. Then with that approach, you get to define. Define who the character in your story is gonna be, how many characters you're gonna have, list them all, understand how they play in. If you were to switch a character, what happens? What, how does it change mm -hmm. the narrative? You define the plot, you know this as a, as a, uh, as a film director, uh, producer. It's all about basically doing the end-to-end -end approach to what the story is gonna do and really giving the story a mission. Why are we telling the story? What's the point? What do we want our audience to feel from the story in the end? As you said, there's many stories, so we can take that approach and say, okay, what is the end goal first? I'm defining the end goal for my story and work yourself backwards. Uh, and then you get to um, have the fun part of, of it, which is actually a brainstorming uh, ideas, ideation phase. Uh, in, this, in this phase is where I ask people, even at the brand story level, to ask themselves questions, Curi get curious about the story. If you were to give your story a color, what would it be? If you were to give it a smell, what would it be? Bring layers and angles that you wouldn't consider. I typically use an acronym um, brain, brainstorming tool called Scamper um, that really enables you to look at the intersectionality of the stories and say, if I modify this, if I change the plot, if I started in this time frame instead of that one, what happens? How does it, how does it impact the story or actually the outcomes of the story? 
So that's a lot of space to really white space to create. That's where the designing really happens. Uh, bring people along the journey with you. And this space is where you're, you're welcome. Like the creativity is at its best. Um, I typically bring people from who would represent my audience and tell me where I'm wrong in this part piece, where I'm looking at, what am I missing in the storyline? Because they can tell me this, it's my blind spots. Uh, and so there's a, a lot of brainstorming tools that you can use, mind mapping, get creative. Uh, then you get to protect from there, right? So little story concepts, you can use a blog, you can use the different forms, uh, long video, short video, whatever you want, and start testing it, which is the last one. Um, and at the end, you're really asking yourself when you're testing, did it evoke the emotion that I was seeking from my audience? Mm. You know, great stories are emotional and that's what makes us go into action. As humans, we connect with the emotional aspect of the story. So you start with empathy, you end with empathy and throughout the whole, you know, design thinking approach, you're asking yourself, what is that emotional theme that I'm trying to drive? What is that inspiration that I'm trying to, to give to my audience? Is it showing up in every piece of this and where I landed? And you'll know when you land it and if it's a prototype, it's going to be a small, low cost, low effort. It's not going to be a big production. Uh, your audience will guide you to that. Your audience will either respond or not because, as you know, we respond emotionally to things that are emotional. We connect at that level. And so you'll know and you'll know you'll get to iterate again and iterate again until, until you have the story. Lovely, lovely crash course in design thinking. That was that's the cliff notes. <laughs> perfect. That was awesome. No, but it painted such a clear picture, of, uh, and it took me back to when I first, when I did that workshop, when I first learned about it, because, you know, we took it was like maybe a three, you know, a couple hour workshop where we were doing yeah. all the st steps of it. So that was so visual, so well done. Good. You be a storyteller. You should really do this. I think I'm going to go do that. It <laughs> was my idea. You heard it here, here first, folks. Um, all right. So I love all the concepts that we keep coming back to in, the, in, yeah. in this conversation. You know, listening, empathy, this collaboration, uh, you, know, let, you know, listening to your audience. By the way, I, I, I thought about it. Uh, I meant to say this earlier. You know, how you ended up with your book is by doing what? By listening. <laughs> you didn't want to write the book. You listened to the person who was like, no, there's some people want to hear this. I want yeah. to read this book. And, and, and you still were resistant, but you, you listened. And so it's funny. We've been talking about that. And I was just like, you, you were a living example of that. You're like, I don't want to do that. But you're like, well, if somebody wants it. <laughs> I gave it to um, them. I give them what they want. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, and, and empathy is one that, that, you know, it's one of my favorite concepts and it's one that has come up a lot in this one. And you also said something earlier about humility. Yeah. Um, and it reminds me of this book. I don't know if you've read it. Um, uh, and I forget who wrote it. I don't think it's there. It's downstairs right now, but it's called Humility is the New Smart. Um, oh, I have not. That sounds so good. Gonna dig it. I'm going to send you the link when we're done. Okay. There's a couple people that, that wrote it because so, it was based off of, uh, of some research. But the concept, and this is, you're going to see where I'm leading with this, because this is going to okay. tie back into what you do and where you do it. The concept is like, hey, we're moving in a direction, you know, whether it, you know, it's AI, basically, where things are being automated yeah. and, and, and yes. AI is kind of taking over a lot of the jobs mm -hmm. and responsibilities that we have. Mm -hmm. And if we try to dig our heels in as humans yeah. and compete with machines, with robots, you know, with yep. computers doing, you know, certain tasks, we know how that story is going to end. So the book, the thesis of the book was about being, you know, 
instead of trying, you're not going to outsmart a, a computer, right? No. So instead of trying to, you know, the highest performers in the future yeah. deposits are not going to be like the smartest people in the room, but people who can collaborate with one another and be humble enough to learn how to work collectively because that's the one thing that the computers can't do at the moment. Um, you know, so, so it's all about, you know, these skills that you see artists having and storytellers having, right, is, is being able to, to be free flowing and, and, and collaborate with people. And so I I'm, I'm going to send you the link. It's not even it's kind of like an underrated book. It's not one that you, that you hear a lot of buzz about, but I heard someone mm -hmm. mention it and, and read it. And it's amazing, especially with Peace. what you do. So this is what I want to talk about for, for the remainder of our time. And, and okay. what you do uh, at Microsoft, especially, you know, you talked about coming in and telling stories for the engineering uh, 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 team. Yes. Or department and failing in that, you know, yeah. because that was a world that, you know, that was <laughs> a new world for you. It was. <laughs> Your story. So I, I want to ask is like, what is the, in your opinion, what's yeah. the importance? Will there still be a place for storytelling, human emotion and connection as we, you know, get closer to this world that's dominated by artificial intelligence and, and very data driven uh, processes? Yeah. My, my last chap, my next to last chapter is all about that is the future of storytelling. And I talk about my experience within AI because my two, so when I came to do this work of storytelling at Microsoft, um, it was actually data and AI were my functional areas. There's six functional areas at Microsoft and mine were data and AI. Right. So I, I was, you know, I was stunned to find what our technology is doing right now, what we are creating. Uh, I was also uh, scared to learn that if we did not look at, humbly, did not look at our own biases in building these machines, these biases would be part of the DNA of these machines. And mm. as we create them, they would create a new world full of those same biases. So think about a car, my car is a machine, somebody designed it. We know very well that, or we can attest that a car was probably built by a man for a man. And the reason we know this is as a woman, and I get in the car, uh, the test, the crash dummies are typically male sizes. And that basically, that, that time frame where they're designed to test whether when the car crashes, that the airbag deploys at a certain time uh, to save the person from hitting themselves uh, on the steering wheel may not work for a small framed person like me, uh, typically a woman who will probably push them there, which typically I do, push the seat all the way up. And I'm basically mm -hmm. like this because I have a big truck. Uh, and by the time if I do, you know, crash, it's funny, right? But it's, it's funny, but it's not. It's funny because it's true. Um, you know, when I when I, I drive, I drive like this because I have this big truck. And so yeah. if I get into a crash, I hope I don't. But uh, the airbag probably won't deploy on time to save me, right? I'll probably hit the, the steering wheel before the airbag deploys uh, because it wasn't built for me. And so when you think about it, that's a very raw example of now AI building their own algorithms, by the way, where at a speed that we will not be able to control. Um, we saw two years ago when Facebook created these bots and they were talking to each other and they created a new language that was solely built on uh, quick words and they basically started abbreviating words and they they created a new language that humans could not understand and they had to stop the, the project. I mean, that's insane. So think about this happening. It's insane. And so think about what will happen when these automation begins and these machines begin to build their own algorithms and we can't stop them. And if there's no empathy built in them, 
And this is why I talk about storytelling changing the narrative from the inside out at the design level. These engineers uh, are building these machines. And if they don't stop to understand the, the humility that it takes to build this with empathy uh, and without bias toward one another, this new, this, you know, what, what I call the robo-apocalypse when it does happen, uh, will be a world that will integrate immediately and we probably won't have control over. So it is not only important, it is critical that we leverage our story and our humanity and the one thing that robots will never have, which is our heart. Uh, and all that lies in there in terms of emotions to drive and as we build these machines, integrate that into their DNA. What are your thoughts on, on you know, because I briefly mentioned when I asked that question about the collectivism, about how, you know, one of the, in, 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 in that book, one of the things that it talks about is being able to collaborate and work together, which we've, we've talked about too. What are your thoughts on how stories and sharing stories can, and this is definitely uh, relevant right now with what's going on in the world and in our country, the ability of stories and sharing stories to create and strengthen and build communities. Because uh, yeah. as we move forward, especially in an in a AI-dominated world, I, I, my feeling is that we're going to, our communities are have, going to have to get stronger rather than weaker. And right now, it doesn't really feel like, I mean, not as one, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like we have pockets of communities going on out there. And I'm like, this is, this is a scary situation. What are your, what are your thoughts or what can you tell us about stories, abilities to, to gel and bring people together so that we can be, act as a, as a whole? Yeah. Stories enable us to enter someone else's space, their heart and their minds and understand it from their perspective and bring, they bring us into their, their world. And so when we talk about social injustice, for example, which is prevalent and it will continue to be, I say, uh, for, for us here in the Western world, for the rest of the world, um, the ability that we have to create spaces to truly understand the narrative from the different perspectives that play in is important and it's critical. Um, the reality is we're all living the narrative, but we're coming in from different perspectives, right? I am a Latino woman. It affects me differently. I also have a black nephew. I have black nephews and nieces, and he has gotten stopped by the police mm -hmm. just for driving down their ro his road, right? And so there's as close as I am to that, I am not that. And so my experience, my lived experience and my, my, my level of empathy changes because I don't fully understand it. Yeah. Unless I talk to my nephew, unless I let him explain that to me. Um, and so what, what, what we can do with storytelling and the ability and the power that it will have going forward for all of us when you talk about society and community and really building that from, from the bottom up is enabling the space for the narrative to understand the different perspectives. None of them are wrong and none of them are, um, you know, yeah, none of them are wrong and none of them are, are good or bad. They just are. They're just all of our lived experiences. And when we build them together and bring them, we can see the different angles that this one theme is driving for all of us. And we can get to understand how all of us are impacted differently at what levels and then bring the solutions. I think we are so quick to drive solutions without fully understanding. I mean, we talk about things like allyship. Allyship is a concept that I am learning right now to the black community because I have a lot of black friends and I have black family. I, I have understood that it's so subjective and I had no idea how subjective it was. To some people in the black and African community, 
Allyship is something that you have to earn. You don't just get to become an ally. And so I had no idea. I had no idea. I was like, okay, I'm learning that. But I couldn't learn it if we don't have the space to talk about it, right? So back to the interns, we're creating, we're creating open mic experiences called the Black Experience. Tell us what you're living right now. Let us understand. Let us just listen. We're not bringing solutions or pretending to. We just want to understand your space, your character play in this story. Whew, that was really good. Uh, and this is something of, of particular interest to me. I'm married to a black woman. We're raising a, bi- a biracial child, biracial daughter. Wow. And so uh, I have to listen and understand other people's experiences to understand what she's going to go through. If I try to teach her how I approach the world as a white straight man, it's a hell of a lot different than, than, than what she's going to be faced with. So I have to listen to my wife and other people and people who are biracial who my wife don't understand their Right. Their journey or their experience for me to do my job well otherwise you know and this is a point that we we butt heads on a little bit because you know i might tell my daughter how i would approach things which i'm gonna be very honest as a white male like you think you can do anything and you're just sure. like oh don't take that shit you do whatever yeah. you want to do and my wife's <laughs> like right. um she can't do that That's you know right. um That's and right. so and to, to your point, or to piggyback on your point, if we don't share those stories and we operate in our silos, in our own little you know compartments and boxes, then we never we never understand that. And so I love what you go build more cars. You're gonna go build more cars. That's what you're gonna do. <laughs> oh my god! I'm so glad that I had you on the show. Um, but 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 we we won't we won't. You know, I love what you said that. that we're not trying to solve the problem right now. The first step is just the understanding, is the empathy, is understanding that all of our different stories and also that none are good and none are bad. They just are, but we have to understand. Oh my God, I'm about to blow it away. What we're doing here, what we're talking about here is taking all these collective stories and making our story world out of it, right? We're becoming story lords, of it, but it takes each one of these to create that bigger picture. You know what I'm if saying? Just tell stories. We're dumping content, hoping it lands. If we're building stories, we bring everyone and we build together. That is becoming a story lord. We don't need to say anything else. That's the end of the show. I think you just killed it. Let's I mean, go home. I'm done. I'm sorry. You slayed it. You slayed it. I mean, it's very, in all sincerity, it's very clear why, you know, you're great at what you do. But that last part just, you know, hit, hit home for me uh, very closely. And, and I agree with I agree wholeheartedly with it. And it's something that we, we all have to do to seek the way forward. It's not, you know, and, and it we see it on both sides, people yes. not being open and sharing those stories and it's not going to be easy and we don't know what allyship looks like, you know, but we, there's only one way to get there and that's by being open enough to share these stories. So I think that's a, a perfect note to end on. I mean, that's far away from Microsoft uh, uh, um, intern teams, but not really. I mean, it's people, really. it all, it all comes back to people. And I'm, I'm so glad the conversation went there. Um, anyway, this was, this was a, a pleasure, an absolute pleasure. Uh, before we go, and I'll put the links in where everybody can, can buy the book and, and find your content, um, which is great uh, for everybody listening, um, you, you know, your stuff. I, I love seeing your tweets and the information you put out there, you know, on a day-to-day basis. But I want to know, wh- what are you excited about? What's coming up? Like, what, are you working on anything that, you know, we're almost in 2021 now. So like you, you the book came out this year. Yeah. What, what are the butterflies in your stomach, you know, about right now for the, for the near future? Well, you know, I want to break the news here. Actually, I didn't plan on sharing. <laughs> I I, did, I literally baked this in my head over the weekend. So, um, and I'm just going to throw it out there. Oh. Um, 
I'm understanding something specific to women uh, and discrimination between women. And yeah, and, and this is based on my own experiences, my girlfriend's experiences, uh, being in teaching and, and coaching many young women in tech. Um, and now being in a space, ironically, where I came from other, I, I pivoted my career at Microsoft four times. And so I've been in the you know, engineering space and the ops space and the customer service space. And then I now I'm in HR, which is mostly women, which is in the industry where you represent less than 2%, but within the org where it's a lot of women. And so it's new to me. And, and I am learning a lot from, from being in this new space. I've been there a little bit over a year when I moved over to do internships. And, you know, there's a type of discrimination that occurs within and between women. And we're going to talk about it. And I don't think we've labeled it. So I am, what I'm excited about is researching more. I've already read a lot of information on the biological piece of this, um, but um, it does exist. And there's a lot to unpack in how we can best bring, label it and talk about it and bring ourselves to balance it because there are, you know, injustice exists when we have or and discrimination when there is privilege. And the reality is how women view themselves and the privilege that that means to us, how what that means to us in, from a woman to another woman, uh, it's not racial or gender. It's, uh, it could be socioeconomic. It could be affluence in different areas. And so that creates an imbalance and that creates injustices in between our own gender. So that's where I'm going to go with that. I think that's extremely interesting and relevant and topical and like important. Um, I know that you're going to have a long road ahead of you, but you're not scared of that. <laughs> I'm not. As we've already established. Uh, I, I think that's, that's one of those things that's going to be challenging, really challenging to, to do but you, and you have to be vulnerable enough to like, to be the one to be willing to like make mistakes along that journey. So I, I'm really excited to see where you go with that. And I know our listeners will, will be as well. And whenever that thing comes into whatever vision it is, we'll have you back on the show and we'll talk about I it. But so. I will say that that's like, cause I try to have those hard conversations too, or that, that's where mm -hmm. I want my career to go. And you have to be willing to put yourself out there and, and be, be okay with the criticism because you won't get a great back to what we said, we were saying, it's not about right or wrong. It's just about starting to open the doors to have these conversations. You may not get it perfectly right, but you will take the next step in order for us to, to all eventually, you know, un get a better understanding and get it right. So uh, that's exciting. Uh, you should Thank be excited you. about that. And I think it's a, it, as soon as you said it, I was like, yes, I understand that. that exists. I see it. I'm going to go on the record here because if somebody else has that same idea, I'm like, Hey, yeah, I had on. it first. It came here. <laughs> I got your back. I a hundred percent got your back. Great. All thanks. right. Well, look, uh, thank you. This was outstanding. Thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. I hope you have a great week and handle all those tasks that are weighing on your shoulders right now. <laughs> hey, thank you, Rain. It was a great pleasure. Say hi to your wife and daughter. Thank, uh, thank you for the opportunity. All right. My name is Rain Bennett. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. If you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it. We love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show. That's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show. And if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show, please, please share it with them. The more we grow, the more we can help you grow, and that's what we're here to do. Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.